Well, before I get into the uh, actual guess, exposition of this particular psalm, I think it's important that I give you a little bit of background. There's some introductory material that I think will help us to understand what's going on here. And the first one is that, well, obviously, this is a call to praise. It's nice for me as the pastor, or the one who's preparing a sermon, that it's nicely outlined. That is, it is a call to praise and then there is a justification for the praise. In other words, I'm not just calling you praise the Lord. I'm going to tell you why the Lord is worthy of being praised. And so that's going to be our outline. There is a call to praise and then a justification for that praise. And just to give you a, uh, a glimpse ahead, the, the justification for the praise is that David is going to recall the character of God and the works of God. And so it is a psalm that celebrates God's kingship. It is a psalm that celebrates God's rule uh, over all and his faithfulness over all that he rules. Now here's a couple general observations that we should consider um, that I think help us understand the background of this psalm. First of all, this psalm is without event, which is, I think, interesting. In other words, there are many psalms you'll read that this was the psalm that David wrote after a great victory. Or perhaps there's the song of Moses in, in the psalms and it was after the deliverance through the Red Sea. Or perhaps it was a psalm after David had sinned. In other words, there was a, an event that prompted this, the psalm or that, event, that prompted the praise. However, Psalm 145 is without event. It is praise because God is worthy to be praised. There is no external event. It's not because God healed me or God did something great or God got me the job. All of those things are worth praising God for. This is, however, praising God because God is worthy to be praised. Because it is the outflow of our enjoyment of Him, as C.S. Lewis might say. And so, it is an expression of joy. um, And so, it is just without event. It is because God is worthy to be praised. That is, praising God for who He is and what He has done. Something filled David's heart and compelled him to shout these words. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been so overwhelmed that all you could do is just shout out praise to God? Have you ever been there? That's this praise. That's this psalm. Just something fills your heart. Maybe nothing even really prompts it. You're just sitting at your desk doing whatever. You're cooking a meal. You're washing the dishes. You're cleaning the house. Something mundane. And your heart so overflows that you come to a place of praising God. That's what this psalm is. Praise, this very word praise, has the idea of celebration. Um... And it is something that can be raucous, I guess. Praise can be quiet, it can be solemn, but it can be also be um, loud. It can be, um, we might even say foolish. When you go to a wedding reception, it is generally not a quiet event. There is generally music and dancing and celebration and laughter. That's, we are enjoying this time. Praise can be like that. Praise can be active. It can often be loud and even seen as foolish. Now I know we are a rather reserved congregation. <laughs> and some are satisfied with that and some say I wish we were a little bit more expressive. 
Well, we are what we are, but I do want to give you permission that it is okay to be involved, if you will. It is okay even to clap our hands and to raise our hands. And we used to have a lady here, um, Beverly, and I didn't see her too often. But she was usually, because I was facing the wrong way, but she was always back there dancing a little bit. So um, never outlandishly, never bringing attention to herself, but she did not sit still. One of my favorite passages of the text is when David is bringing the ark into Jerusalem and he's dancing before the ark and, and his wife says, You, the king of Israel, don't you know what this looks like? What a fool you are. And I love his response. You think that's foolish? You think that's undignified? I'll show you undignified. <laughs> that's just a great... I love that response. You think that's bad? <laughs> Wait till you see what I'm about to do. It's okay to be active in praise. And finally, in our kind of overview of this psalm, we should note that it's, it's an acrostic psalm. And that simply means that each verse begins with a subsequent letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so the first one is Aleph and then Beth and Gimel all the way on through to Tau. And so it, each, letter be, or each line begins with a subsequent letter of the Hebrew alphabet. This is not uncommon. You'll find this throughout the book of Psalms. I think it was probably to help remember, help for memorization. But I also think there's a theological purpose in, in this. And that is, it is describing God and His rule over His creation. And what we are seeing is that God rules from beginning to end, from A to Z, or from Aleph to Tau. God reigns. There is no place, there is nowhere, there is no word where God is not in control. God is in authority. And so I think this acrostic has some theological importance for us because there is no place or time where God does not have authority. He reigns over all times. That is, God reigns when you lie down. God reigns when you rise up. God reigns when you are asleep. God reigns. God is always reigning. He is always in control. Even when things seem out of control, I want you to know that today, if your life seems to be spinning out of control, if you've received some disconcerting news or whatever, I want you to know God reigns. Amen. A to Z. Allah to Tau. God is in control and God never ceases to be on His throne. So, with that as our background, let's look at this wonderful psalm of praise. By the way, this is one of my favorite psalms in all of Scripture. It begins with four I wills. I will extol you, my God and my King, and bless your name forever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. And so there is this um, constant I will. I will. How long? I will do what? I will extol you, my God and King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. So God, David is saying, I will extol you. I will bless you. I will praise you. I will bless you. For how long? Every day, forever and ever. I think this is a great way to begin this idea of praise. How long ought we to be praising God? All the time, every day, forever and ever. And the reason he is praising God is because of the greatness of God. My God and my King, I will bless your name forever and ever. I will bless you. Praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Do you see a repeated term there, a repeated word? Great. Because God is great. 
William Nicholson wrote this. He said, I thought this was insightful. He says this. He says, great is the Lord. If great here be referred to God as a king, then a great king he is in respect to the breadth of his empire. For all creatures from the highest angel to the poorest worm are under him. Great for length. For his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, great for depth, for he rules even to the hearts of kings, of all men, overrules their thoughts, affections, nothing is hid from him, and great again for height, being a great king above all gods, ruling by his own absolute power and authority. God is great in height and depth and width and length. There is no place where God is not great. David continues, but you will notice that he shifts from I will and he now instructs that praise is for everybody. Praise is not just for me. Praise is for all men. One generation shall commend your works to another and they shall declare your mighty acts. So David is now causing other people to join with him in the celebration. One generation to the next. There should be a tradition of praise. And this is a common Old Testament theme. We saw it. Remember when we were in the book of... Joshua, and they set up, remember, what's an Ebenezer? Yeah, an Ebenezer. You guys remember? A pile of rocks, right? So when we say, here I raise my Ebenezer, right? You all, we, we sing that with knowledge, knowing what we're talking about. It's just a pile of rocks. But why was the pile of rocks there? The pile of rocks was sitting there because one generation would come along and say, Dad, why are these rocks here? Let me tell you why these rocks are here. God did great and marvelous and wondrous things at this place. Here the waters of the Jordan parted. Here the enemy was defeated. There was a pile of rocks and they were so that one generation would praise the Lord to the next. We see this, of course, in Deuteronomy 6.4 and following where the great Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. But what it goes on and says, Now, fathers, you teach your children. Amen. Teach your children this. Great is the Lord. So David is now calling. One generation should praise the Lord, uh, should uh, commend the Lord to another. How about you? Parents, are you commending the Lord to another? Are you teaching your children to praise God? Grandparents, it's not too late. Teach your children, teach your grandchildren. Call, be, be an instrument or a catalyst, I should say. Be a catalyst of praise. It is the responsibil- responsibility of believers to tell of God's mighty deeds to another. Not only Bible stories, but also personal experiences. So when God has done something great in your midst, it is it is right and just to praise God. Not only in your private devotion, but praise God to your co-workers and praise God uh, to your Facebook friends and praise God from one generation to the next. It is only right to praise our Lord. We should be praising God to our children. And as a church, we should be encouraging kids to tell of God's great and wondrous acts. There should be a tradition of praise, one generation to the next. And so we praise the Lord. We tell of His wondrous deeds. In fact, the book of Psalms is just so much about that. Have you ever noticed in the Old Testament how often the Exodus is the primary theme? It's all over. Why? 
They're just constantly talking about the deliverance through the Red Sea and how God delivered from bondage into freedom. They just constantly speak of that. Well, we are to call one generation to the next to praise the Lord. Praise is infectious. I love this. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. I will declare your greatness. They shall pour pour forth the fame of your abundance and sing aloud um, of your righteousness. And so you see this um, back and forth of the glorious splendor of your majesty. I will meditate. They will speak. I will declare. They shall pour forth. You see, praise is infectious. I'll do this and then they'll do that and then it'll prompt me on to praise the Lord and then they'll be prompted to praise the Lord and praise becomes infectious and it can't be stopped. We should be people who praise the Lord because it infects others. What a great thing to infect one another with. And now we continue on and we see this was a call to praise. But now we see the reason for our praise. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and His mercy is over all that He has made. One of the things we it is good to do and that is to remember God's perfections to remember his attributes first of all we remember that God is gracious and when we talk about God being gracious we are talking about God acting with favor towards an inferior that's right I said it we are inferior I know that in this day and age we are supposed to tell everybody how great and wonderful and Exalted we are, but when we compare ourselves with our great and holy God, we are His inferior. He is great. But as great as He is, and as inferior to Him as we are, He is gracious to us. He acts with favor towards us. If you have experienced the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, then you are called to praise Him. If you have experienced the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, you are called to praise Him. But God is not only gracious, God is compassionate. What a great joy this is and what a reason for praise. See, our God sees the struggles that you and I endure and he sympathizes with them we read in Hebrews as we studied Hebrews on Wednesday nights a while back how our Lord has endured the things that you and I endure he has suffered along with us in the same trials and same temptations he has compassion he can sympathize with us when you are struggling our Christ can sympathize with you. When you have been abandoned, when you have been forsaken, when you have been betrayed, imagine. Do you think Christ does not know what it means to be abandoned and betrayed? Do you think it does our Christ does not know what it means to be unjustly accused of something? 
Is there anything that you endure that Christ cannot sympathize with? No, our God is compassionate. He is gracious and He is compassionate. Certainly, we realize that in the person of Jesus Christ. What a great blessing that the Lord is slow to anger. How many can praise God for that alone? All right. Probably this week you have done something that might have aroused the anger of the Lord, or perhaps not done something that you ought to have done that would have aroused the anger of the Lord, but our God is slow to anger. God is slow to anger even to those who refuse His grace. That is, when one fails and refuses to repent, God often withholds His wrath. That is not to say that God approves. Do not tempt the Lord and think for a moment, well, I did this and no lightning bolt struck me down, so God must not either didn't see or doesn't care. There are two things going on, possibly one that we see in Romans chapter 2. It is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So the fact that God did not strike you down with the ground opening up and swallowing you, or a lightning bolt or some or a bus hitting you, um, is not the evidence that God has somehow missed the action or non-action. It is simply God's kindness leading us to repentance. The other reason is uh, more dire. And we see that people actually store up wrath for the day of judgment. So, if you are here today and you have never called upon the name of the Lord and been born from above, and you think that for some reason... God has let you get away with it. One of two things is happening. His kindness is leading you to repentance. And I would call you now, today would be a great day to repent and call upon the name of the Lord. The second thing is is much more dire, and that is you are storing up wrath for the day of judgment. I would flee from that, and I would repent and bow the knee and call upon the name of the Lord. But he's slow to anger. He is also great in mercy. That is, God is good towards the guilty. There is none righteous, no, not even one. Everybody has sinned and fallen short. We stand before Him guilty. But God is merciful. And He does not give us what we deserve. This is a reason to praise. Because God is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. Those reasons alone should cause our lips to be filled with praise. I love this next line. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord. All your works shall praise you. Not only do men praise you, but all your works join in the celebration of God. And we see this in Psalm 8. It talks about how um, day calls forth to night, calling and and revealing and glorifying the Lord. I, I drive down to Phoenix and more often than I'd like. You ever notice the cactus? <laughs> There's a few like this. They're the heathen cactus. They're unsaved cactus. Right? You need to go and preach the gospel to them. But the rest of this, all of God's work is praising the Lord. All right, man, you just 
You drive down, and how can you not praise? First of all, it's a beautiful, beautiful drive. Second of all, all creation is reminding you, are you praising the Lord? We are. And we're out in the heat. You are in an air-conditioned car. You ought to be praising the name of the Lord forever. Praise the Lord. All creation praises the Lord. All your works give thanks to you. And all your saints bless you. I hope and pray that we can actually say that all your saints praise you. So notice the sphere of praise has moved beyond the sanctuary. It's moved into the public square. All your saints praise you. They shall speak of the glories of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of men your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures forever and and ever. The sphere of praise has moved beyond the sanctuary. It has flooded into the public square. In other words, praising God is not to be quarantined. It is to be let loose. It's infectious. And it should be released into society. When was the last time you spoke of God's mighty deeds to somebody else? We are so often... We are conditioned to gripe. And we are conditioned to complain. How are you? Well, my my boss is a jerk and... And I'm the boss, so. (laughs) And there are times for legitimate griping and complaining. Well, why is it that that just inundates and overwhelms our conversation? When we serve, when the cactus are praising God, we ought to be praising God. How are you doing today? Let our lips tell of God's mighty deeds. Has God done something mighty and wonderful and compassionate and merciful and powerful in your life recently? Tell somebody. How are you doing? Well, let me tell you. Perhaps yesterday I was lost, today I'm found. Yesterday I was blind, but now I see. Yesterday I was given a horrible, horrible news from the doctor. And my God still reigns. And He will never stop reigning. And even if the worst that the doctor says could happen does happen, then very soon I will be standing in the presence of the God who saved me. And death will have no victory over me. Because my Jesus conquered death. And he is the first fruits of all who will rise from the dead. And God will call me home. And I will be his. He will be my God and I will be his people. We can find something to praise God for. Praising God is not to be quarantined. It should enter into the public square. And again, another shift in focus as God as praise of God for His care over all creation. It goes from His majesty and His glory to His self-giving care over that which He has created. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. That's an amazing truth. 
that God is awesome, he is above all, glorious in splendor, and yet he is not so distant that he is unconcerned about you. Our God reigns from heaven upon his glorious throne. It is not beneath him to be attentive to your every need. Look at this. He upholds all who have fallen. How many of you have fallen? How many of us have fallen? And even in such a condition, God is there to uphold you. Sometimes we think, oh, well, I've fallen. God doesn't want to have anything to do with me. You have fallen. God says, I am here to pick you back up. Repent, turn to me, and I will, I will pick you back up and bring you back into right relationship with me. He raises up those who have fallen. He raises up those who are bowed down. This is the picture of a reed perhaps bent by the heat of the sun or a person bent over from the weight of a burden. And, I'll bet, and I know for a fact that there are people here today for whom the burden of life has become too great. The heat of daily life has caused you to be stooped over. But the Lord raises up all who are bowed down. This is the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So come to me. I will raise you up. My burden is light. The Lord is mindful of his creation and he strengthens those who no longer can carry the load. Perhaps one of my favorite lines in this whole psalm is you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. Are you satisfied with the Lord? think of the birds and flowers and crickets and creepy crawly things even those things the Lord opens their hands and satisfies their every need and the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works and the Lord is near to all who call upon him to all who call upon him in truth What a great promise. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him. To all who call upon Him in truth. That has the idea of trusting Him to do what He has promised. Being humble and not too proud to draw near to our great and loving God. God preserves and destroys. The Lord is righteous in all His way. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. But He hears their cry and saves them. Wow. I believe that God will save you from your fears. But most of all, God will save you from your sins. And again... My plea, if you are here today and you've never been born from above, God will save you. You can say, well, I am just too wicked and too nasty. Don't be so proudful. You are not that wicked and that nasty. I don't care what you've done. There have been way worse. Who have come to know Christ and had their sins completely and utterly forgiven. John Newton was involved in the slave trade. 
there is probably very few more crimes more heinous than that but what's his song amazing grace I've been there I've sold human people into the most atrocious conditions possible I've treated them the worst way ever and God who is gracious and compassionate to all had mercy on me saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. I thought this was interesting. A, that he will keep you, but notice this theme of destruction. Doesn't it seem kind of out of place in this psalm? I mean, this whole thing is about praising God and his wondrous works and how wonderful and marvelous and gracious and compassionate and then all of a sudden, but the wicked he will destroy. I wrestled with that for a while, but I realized that no matter our praise there will always be a shadow of judgment that is completely inescapable and there is always should always be a warning that those who do not love the Lord will be judged Jesus said the one who loves me is the one who keeps my commandment not the one who says he loves him not even the one who goes to church but the one who keeps my commandments. If we love him, it will show in our actions. And David concludes his psalm with this, My mouth shall praise, all pray. My mouth will speak of the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Well, this psalm provides then... I'll conclude with this. This psalm provides, I believe, an awesome picture of our God. That is, that He is King, He is majestic, He is unsearchable, um, He is great, He is righteous, compassionate, patient, powerful, and glorious. He is worthy of all praise from His creation. Every, all of His creation is called upon to join in the celebration. Another quote by C.S. Lewis. again regarding praise I think is wonderful it goes like this I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment I love that it doesn't express the enjoyment it completes the enjoyment it is a pointed consummation it is not out of compliment that lovers keep telling one another how beautiful they are the delight is incomplete until it's expressed it's frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is to come suddenly at the turn of a road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than a tin can in the ditch. To hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. The Scotch Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, but we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify Him, God is inviting us to join Him 
is inviting us to enjoy Him. And so God is worthy of praise. He is worthy of praise from Cactus. He is certainly worthy of praise from the people at the church on Randall Place. All creation is called upon to join in this celebration. We are to celebrate Him daily, forever and ever. Not just in the sanctuary on Sunday morning, though that is appropriate, but every day we should expend energy in praise. We can do this by being alone with Him. We can do this by bowing in prayer, calling upon Him, trusting in our trials each and every day, giving Him the opportunity to show His mighty acts in our life. And so with that, I just felt it would be remiss and irresponsible and completely, utterly wrong to share that passage of text and then say, see you, goodbye, have a nice day. It seems like after that, we should stand and give praise to our gracious God Almighty. So let's spend some, t- some time praising God.
join me in prayer. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we come into your mighty presence. And we come with hearts filled with thanksgiving, for you have done mighty things. You have withheld nothing from us, Lord God. You have poured forth your spirit upon us. You have enabled us to worship in spirit and in truth. You have cleansed our hearts and made our hands clean. You have given us so many good things. And so we come before you this day with thanksgiving. We come before you this day with with praise and with adoration. And so, Father, we now thank you this day for the great things that you have done, the mighty works that you have done in your midst, the fact that you reign forever and ever. And so we are thankful for you. And we pray this prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. At this time, if our ushers will come forward for the offering. This is a an opportunity for us to continue in worship. We believe that um, giving is an act of worship. And we read very famously from the book of John. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. In other words, our God is a giving God. He has called us to emulate him and be like him in giving and to be generous. We do not do this under compulsion nor do we do this to earn any brownie points with God. We do this so that we might be a picture of God's gracious generosities. And so with that, our Father, we praise you and thank you for this offering, this opportunity to lift up your your name, an opportunity to be generous like you. And Lord God, we pray that everything goes um, is well spent, Lord God, for the work of ministry. It is partly because of this that we can do missions. And it is partly because of this, Lord God, that we can do outreach and provide for for needs in our community. And so we pray, Lord God, that you would bless this time. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.
you join me in prayer? We pray, Father God, as we are taught for all people, believing that it is good and pleasing in the sight of our God and Savior who desires that all people be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth and of Jesus Christ who gave himself as a ransom for all. Look with compassion upon the world that lies in the power of the evil one and let the ruler of this world be cast out who has blinded their minds. Oh, let your way be known on all the earth that evil nations might become civilized and that those who are without God in the world might be brought into the service of the living God. And thus let your saving power be known to all nations and let the peoples praise you, O God. Yes, let all the peoples praise you. And let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon the earth. We pray, Lord God, that you would let your salvation and your righteousness be revealed in the sight of all the nations and let all the ends of the earth see the salvation of our God. O make the nations your son's heritage and the ends of the earth his possession, for you have said, is is it too light a thing for him to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel? That you will make him a light to the nation. Let all the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. We ask this for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Through the word of the Lord, Ezekiel 37, verse 26. I will make a covenant 